Welcome to the LTID Network Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, and on this podcast, we seek out the world's best researchers, coaches, support staff, teachers, and athletes to better understand the process of long-term athlete development. Don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform and 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. That's LTADVIP50 at the LTAD Network Hub website. This podcast episode is sponsored by Statera. Statera is a web-based application that helps youth athletes and their stakeholders estimate training load, track maturation status, monitor readiness, and manage injury. Put together by coaches working with busy youth athletes, Statera helps keep things simple and brings together the most important training information in one place to ensure that effective athlete-centered decisions can be made. No more complicated Excel tutorials and spreadsheets. Just upload your athletes' data and their training schedule and start to take control of their training commitments and workload. Make more informed decisions and protect your athletes' well-being, supporting their performance. Statera takes your data very seriously. GDPR compliant and registered with the ICO, choose from a range of maturation indices and validated measures, or customize your own. Statera can record any training variable and all your data is fully exportable. To reach out today and get a free walkthrough, head over to www.statera.uk. That's S-T-A-T-E-R-A dot U-K. Welcome to the LTID Network Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Ray Zingler. Ray is a strength coach, entrepreneur, consultant, and author. He's the owner of Zingler Strength Conditioning, LLC, an industry leader in performance training for athletes, busy professionals, and military personnel. Ray is recognized as a certified physical preparation specialist and has been serving the metro Atlanta, Georgia area since 2009. His blue-collar, consistency, and hard-work approach to research-based training has allowed him to serve thousands of clients. In addition to operating his training facility, Ray consults current and prospective gym owners on business structure and implementation. Beyond mentoring strength professionals, Ray consults high school sport and strength coaches, aiding in the development of program structure and design. Ray also does contract work within local high schools and club sport organizations, implementing SNC programs within the team settings of a variety of sports. Ray, it's awesome to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us all the way from the States. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So you, I've been following along some of your work on social media for a while, and, and there's been a lot of parallels, I think, between the way we think and our philosophy in, in cultivating athletes, not just from a physical perspective, but more holistically. So I'm really looking forward to diving into that. But before we do that, give us a bit of an insight. What was it like for young Ray growing up? What were the sports that you really got captured by, and how did that unfold? Absolutely. So just to kind of paint the picture a little bit, I was the, the son of two coaches. My father was a, a football coach, American football coach, and my mother was a cheerleading coach. And then beyond that, I've got grandparents that were coaches. So again, I've been around coaches my entire life, obviously different disciplines, but I've been, been around sports ever since that I could remember, you know, and it was one of those things that, again, my parents understanding the value of sports as a very young kid, they got me involved in everything from soccer to hockey to football all of the above and uh eventually after i got into you know my middle school years i kind of settled on football again american football being my main sport just because i think having a lot of uh 
influence from my father and my grandfather, my uncles who played the game. That was kind of where I fell naturally. And, um, you know, it was one of those things that, again, and I think we'll dig into this a little bit more. I, I ended up coming to love the preparation for sport more than I loved the actual sport. And don't get me wrong, I was a very passionate player and, and I had some ability. But, uh, you know, what really kind of helped my ability was obviously the training side of things. I was a very average athlete on the surface, but I created some opportunities for myself through the training, which, again, not to kind of jump to the end of this conversation, but that's, that's essentially what started my, uh, my passion for what I'm doing today. So I, again, attribute a lot of the lessons that I've learned to sports and obviously mentors along the way. But uh, that was me as a young guy, played everything. And then obviously, as you get a little bit older, you know, you kind of funnel things down. Um, and I, I fell so much in love with everything about sports, I ended up deciding to want to turn it into a passion, which is, you know, what I'm doing today. Awesome. So what did that look like at the end of your time playing American football and deciding, right, I'm going to go into the, the preparation side of the game? What, what were some uh, of the studies you undertook? Where did that take you? Yeah. So I'll just kind of run through a little bit of, you know, how my whole story transpired, you know, and I got to start back into the, to the middle school area around 12 years old, you know, dad again was a, was a college football coach and he took on, he had at the time he had gotten out of the college game and was, was focusing a little bit more on entrepreneurship, running his own business here in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, he saw a need, he coached our, our football team, our youth football team growing up. He saw a need for strength and conditioning in the youth area. And at the time, this was, you know, or very early 2000s. It wasn't as big as it is obviously today. So dad, we had an unfinished room in our basement. He went to the local fitness depot center and he bought a glorified gold's gym and he put it into our basement. You know, it was a, you know, not a very big room, but 500 square feet with the power racks, lap pull downs, the whole thing. And, you know, he told our football team at the end of one of our seasons that, hey, guys, you know, we're going to have a voluntary uh, strength and conditioning program after the season. And, you know, dad didn't know anything about what was going to happen. He thought three or four kids from the 40 man team were going to show up. Well, that first session, there's 20 kids knocking on our, our, our door. And this is at my, my, my parents' home, you know? So my mom's thinking, what in the world is going on? And, <laughs> you know, it was kind of just this crazy thing that kind of, it, it, it grabbed flight without us even trying to do anything with it. And it was such a unique situation that, you know, that was, I was 12 years old. Dad had a supplementary strength and conditioning business running out of the basement of our house, training athletes in the community from the time I went through you know, middle school up through high school. And I got to a, a point at 18 years old, you know, I was under my dad's direction. And again, he didn't, he didn't know it like we know it today, but he knew enough to be dangerous. And um, I learned from him all throughout my childhood. And, and it eventually got to the point when I was kind of graduating high school, I had some opportunities to play football in college. But like I said earlier, I enjoyed the preparation side more than I did actually playing. And dad was getting to the point where uh, in his business, which he owns a commercial flooring business, you know, carpet, tile, et cetera. And he said, Ray, I can't serve two masters. Would you like to kind of take over this uh, strength and conditioning thing that he had, you know, running at our house? And I said, you know, I'm an 18 year old guy, you know, whatever, I'll do it for some side money while I go to college and all this stuff. And turned out, you know, it was one of those things that it just, it just, it just 
gained weight and started flying. You know, I was in school at uh, a local community college going to get my degree. And, uh, you know, I started with two clients and then, you know, two turns to four, four turns to 12. And, you know, I'm not necessarily proud to admit it, but I ended up having to drop out of college because again, I was going to college to get a degree, to get a job. Well, now my job it was getting in the way of school. I had an op- I had an option. I could go to class at four o'clock PM or I could train 15 athletes at four o'clock PM. And it was one of those things that again, and as you know, in this field, you know, it's the certifications and it's like, when you know it, you, you, you know it. So again, I didn't, I didn't need the fancy degree, you know, not knocking anybody who's getting a degree. I didn't need that because I had proven, you know, that I was providing enough value with the education that I kind of incurred not only with physical practice with my father, but also the studies, you know, on my own. Mm. It's really cool. It's, I mean, it's, it's great to see something organic. I didn't realize your dad was involved initially and I'd assumed it was just yourself, but it's really cool to kind of see that transition. Absolutely. You know, it was one of those things that uh, it was funny. Dad had no plan. What he wanted to do was buy a home gym. You know, now home gyms are the craze. He wanted to buy the home gym and he thought, all right, while my son is in middle school, I'll train him and a couple of his buddies, you know, for an off season and then he'll get into high school and then dad will have this home gym for himself to save his time. And it blew up like wildfire. I mean, there was kids in the community that didn't even play on our sports teams, you know, that were coming from all over the place. And, you know, we, it even grew, which was really special to me into kids into the community who didn't play any sports. They were those kids who were struggling with mental health issues. They were struggling with confidence. They were in the band. They weren't athletes, but dad, and what I learned, he would take anybody on. He'd say, you know what, your best might be different than his best, but I'm not turning anybody down. And that's kind of what put it in my heart that I don't care if you're the elite athlete or the professional player, you give me that, you give me that 12 year old kid that's afraid of his own shadow and I will treat him like he's a, a professional athlete for the New York Jets. You know, I just, I really believe that. I saw dad, there was no bias. It wasn't, he wasn't trying to get the, the best kid in the school. Whoever wanted to get a little bit better, dad was going to pour into him. And that, that really laid the groundwork for my philosophy to today. Mm. I couldn't agree more. That's kind of my, my philosophy as well in terms of the private side of things is, I want to work with people who want to work with me and I don't care right. if you play recreationally or you play at the highest level. Amen. That's, you know, how you show up is, is the criteria for me, whether you want to put the work in or you don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So tell us a bit, has it always been just as English strength full time or have you had other bits and pieces around that? So I am what I call a serial entrepreneur. I have never in my entire life had a job where I worked for somebody else. I've never had a schedule. I've never had a clock. I've never had a check in my life cut to me from, from somebody other than myself. You know, I started at 10 years old mowing lawns and then I, I started aerating lawns. I would pressure wash driveways. I had my own little moving company out of the back of a pickup truck where I would haul couches and whatever I had to do. Um, and then from there, um, and again, I don't claim to, to be some self-made, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of encouragement, a lot of help, a lot of resources along the way, but beyond my odd jobs in middle school and high school that again, were were born largely out of knocking on doors and offering to, to mow people's lawns. I've never had a job outside of that. And from, from there kind of took over and created Zingler strength and conditioning at 18 years old. 
and uh, I'm 32 now and haven't looked back since. So it was one of those things that, you know, at 18 years old, I knew everything there was to know. But then all of a sudden at 32, I realized how much I don't know. So it's funny how uh, how you grow. But um, I was I was naive in the sense that I didn't know what I didn't know. And I just tried my best. And these these lessons that I learned were very organic, where, again, I don't I don't encourage my path to a lot of people. I think there's a ton of value in going to work under somebody and and, and, and learn. But again, it was one of these things that was just happenstance for me that uh, for, for a lot of years, I just kept my head down and just kept trying to serve and serve and serve. And then all of a sudden I'd look up to breathe and my accountant's calling me saying, Ray, do you have any idea how much money you earn? I, I said, sir, I have no idea. I got a session at four o'clock. So just tell me what I got to pay in taxes and leave me alone because I got to, you know, I was so, I was so, I didn't know business and logistics and all this stuff. I was just pouring myself into others and uh, it worked out, it worked out for me. Mm. So how is that growing? So you mentioned that, you know, you started with four athletes and then it became 12. What does it look like today when you turn up to Zynga Strength? What, what does it look like? Yeah. So again, I don't want to, I don't want to, and this is something that I share with a lot of coaches as well, because again, being well connected within the industry, you see a lot of the ebbs and flows where a lot of times you might see on social media where you've got this gym, you see on Instagram, the guy's got 12,000 square feet. It looks like there's 500 clients in there, the whole deal. And really what a lot of that is, just to be honest with you, and you probably know this, it's a facade. You know, it's everybody trying to look the part and make you think that, oh, bigger is better. I pride myself on staying small. And what I mean by that is not that I don't think big and have a big picture outlook or anything like that. But I think one of the things that goes that, that goes by the wayside in this industry is people actually pouring into the individuals. You know, we probably have 100 athletes at our gym at, uh, you know, based on the time of the year. But the one thing I take a lot of pride in, I can tell you every kid's first and last name. I know their parents. I know their hobbies. I know how they receive their coaching. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very detailed in that regard. Whereas, yeah, I could expand and I could get 500 clients. But then what happens is Ray Zingler isn't Ray Zingler anymore. Ray Zingler is a guy that's sitting in an office who's looking at the numbers, who doesn't know Jimmy's name or Steven's name. And now all of a sudden I might be able to buy a, a little bit of a nicer truck because I've got, I've got more people, but, it, but is the impact there? And as somebody who values impact over dollars and cents, what I'm trying to do in my business right now is, is not necessarily shrink the size of it, but maintain a, a, a size that I can have the direct impact over the program as a whole. Because again, as much as I love the business and entrepreneurial side, I, I get more value out of actually having my hand in the day-to-day -day operations of being able to impact the kids specifically versus just touting myself as some guy who's really good at marketing and, you know, throwing a bunch of money at a big project that's just not congruent with, with what I want to do. Not, not to knock anybody that is, but that's, that's just my, my philosophy. It's interesting because that's a change that's taken place in my mindset as well recently. Because you know you kind of fall into the trap of thinking, okay, I'm earning X amount from this. I could, I could earn more by you know increasing the numbers. But actually, Absolutely. similar to yourself, I was like, actually, it's quality over quantity. And actually, I want less athletes that I see more frequently, so I know Amen. the ins and outs and all that kind of stuff. It's not about having people that come in once a week and we just stack them high. For exactly, and a lot of people they they, they do that. You know, they'll see especially around here. They have what they call, and I'm sure they have it over there, drop-ins to where you know they charge a, a a small fee to try to pack a hundred kids in the door, 
And again, parents might be attracted to that because, oh, it's only 10 bucks to go run around for an hour, which again, not knocking anybody. That's one thing I won't do is knock anybody. But I asked the question, how much quality training is going on there? You know, of course, it looks cool when the owner of that facility takes a picture and it looks like there's 100 kids in the gym. Go ask him to name 15 of those kids. You know, he's trying to, to, to look the part on Instagram. Is there real coaching going on in there? Is he pouring into, into that individual? Is that individual going to be able to take that workout and compound it over time? Or is he in there to sweat for a little bit and look good on Instagram? You know what I mean? And that's something that I think is, is very large in our industry um, because, again, it's, it's the perception in the social media era. You know, back in the day, the, the Louis Simmons of the world at Westside Barbell and even the early days of the Joe DeFrancos and Zach Evaneshes, who are people that I value greatly, you know, they, they, they kind of got they started this whole YouTube craze, you know, with the strength and conditioning. But there were a lot of days where those gyms were packed with not very many kids, but uh, Zach and Joe were pouring into those kids and nobody saw it. But, but, but that's, that's something that, hey, I get we got to play the modern social media game, but I will not compromise my standards trying to get a stranger on the Internet to think that I've got 300 kids in my gym. So it's just not not me. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's funny, I was going to ask you about some of your influences from, a, from an S&C perspective, but I think you probably gave me some of the answers there. Louis Simmons was going to be the ones that I thought, you know, with the conjugate bit, but Zach right. Evanesh and, 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 you know, Joe DeFranco makes sense. What other influences have, have kind of shaped your coaching style or yeah. structure? So, so when I first started out, you know, again, like any 16-year-old boy, I was attracted to the to the Dorian Yates of the world and the Branch Warrens and these massive bodybuilders because, you know, every 17-year-old kid wants big arms. But I got to the point where it was like I got I got huge. You know, I'm, I went up to 250 pounds, you know, doing the heavy rack pulls and all this stuff trying to be a bodybuilder. But I found, you know, that that bodybuilding style training, while there is value in it, it wasn't the performance-based training. So that's when I got into a lot of the, the Louis Simmons conjugate style programming. And then I learned from Zach Evanish, who I mentioned, Joe DeFranco. Um, those were two of my biggest influences. Jim Windler as well with the 531 program, just from a simplicity nature. Um, so those three were the, the, the biggest impacts on me, just from a programming and structure standpoint, as well as business. You know, a lot of those guys... Joe and Zach specifically, it's funny, as they get older, I see them shrinking down and they have other, other things going on. But to your point earlier, it's the quality over quantity. And then for myself personally, you know, it's funny, you have these ebbs and flows and in, in the transitions in your own training to where from 14 to 18, I wanted to look like a refrigerator, you know, from 18 to 25, I wanted to be the strongest guy in the world at 32 excuse my French, but I'm trying to feel less like shit, you know, so now <laughs> I have a much more focused approach on the longevity and feeling good. So I've learned from guys, um, there's a coach here in the States, Dan John, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dan John, but very, very simple minded, you know, performing exercises that are going to give more than they take, you know, repeated efforts, um, that, that, that type of stuff for me personally. Now I still believe in some of the the hard charging stuff with the, with the younger athletes who need to build the base. But um, as I continue to grow and evolve myself, fortunately I'm, 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 I'm learning from the same guys I've learned from. Cause I don't know how familiar you are with like a Joe DeFranco, for example, but 15 years ago, it was the heavy, this, the prowler, you know, doing all the, and now he's sitting here with bands doing his pull aparts and I, and I get it, you know, before 
five years, I said, man, Joe's going soft. You know, some of these guys aren't doing this stuff. And then now when I sneeze too hard, it hurts my back. I, I'm starting to understand what the heck these guys are talking about. So, mm. you know, I, uh, I try to learn from everybody because I think there's value in, in, in whatever everybody has to say, whether I agree with it or not is up to discussion. But I also believe in kind of sticking to your guns a little bit in the sense that sometimes if we try to pull and dabble from everybody under the sun, we can get clouded with the, with the over analysis sometimes. So I have tried to, I'll listen to everybody, but I'm not just going to jump on the new trend tomorrow because so-and-so brought it up on social media. I'll investigate it and I'll, I'll dabble in it, but I'm not going to flip the script. You know, sometimes people will say, you know, they've never done an ice bath in their life, but then all of a sudden, two weeks from now, they're, they're ice bath connoisseurs. You know, like I, I take everything with a grain of salt until I can prove it over, over the long haul. If it's good for six months, fine. If it's good for 16 years, I'm probably going to pay a bit more attention to, to what's been around. 100%. So what does success look like for you personally? So I'm thinking in, in the business and the coaching that you're doing, when you, you know, it's easy in, a, I guess, a championship when people are thinking, okay, we're going to have to trophy. What does success mean for you right. in, in, in training young athletes or, you know, what you're trying to get out for, of it? For sure. And that's a great question. You know, I think for me personally, the way that I look at success, you know, the, the, the typical way of looking at success to measure it, and again, in the world of measurements, you know, that's, that's what we do in strength and conditioning is we collect data and we look at the value, et cetera, et cetera. But from a success standpoint, you know, how we measure success in, in, in the world is, is, is based on your wealth. You know, how much do you have, you know, and something for me, and it's not to say that I undermine the importance of money and needing to, you know, create, you know, a sense of stability financially with your family, but I'm playing an entirely different game. You know, what I would like to do, my, my idea of success is being able to, to leverage my time and spend it the way that I want to. So now if I sacrifice income, but I'm purchasing more time, I value time more than money. And now by having an excess of time, which again is more important than money to me, those limited hours that I do spend working, I don't say this to toot my own horn, but, but you're not going to beat me. You know, I spend eight to 12 hours a week coaching. And when I'm coaching those eight, I am locked in all in ready to go. Whereas when I first started, I'd work up to 80 hours a week. So now you've got this young guy who's hard charging and hungry working 80 hours a week. And now 10 years later, he's working 12 hours a week and he's 10 years smarter than he was 10 years ago. I, I, I'm going to be the best of the best in those limited amount of hours. And I feel like that allows me to be, to be more successful because my reach, it may not be as wide, but my reach is, is, is deeper. And when I'm able to focus on depth, not only do I have more fire and more passion with it, but now I'm able to give those kids the best of the best where I don't care who you are. Hour 77 of the week, you're not going to be the best, you know, and that's just how I've, I've viewed it. I've toughed it out and I've done all that. And I'm not saying that I'm not proud of that because I think that's what laid the groundwork for me today. But if you ask me, Ray, what are your goals today? What does success look like for you? I want to be able to do what I want to do every hour of my week. And now don't get me wrong. Coaching is part of that. You know, that's something that I want to do, but um, we live in a world where a lot of people have other people control their time. And that's one thing that I am working very, very hard on being able to, 
to do. People say, when do you want to retire? You know, I could probably retire at 40 years old. I probably could just based on the way that I started at 18 years old. And I've been very, you know, um, intelligent, not me, but I've had a lot of uh, mentors and a lot of advisors help me strategically on the finance side. I could probably retire at 40. I don't necessarily want to do that, but a goal of mine is at 40 to be able to spend every hour of my day the way that I want to spend it. And that's not, obviously, there's going to be things that come up that are uncontrollables. But from a, from a general overview, I don't want anybody to be able to tell me what I'm doing, you know, it, over the course of my day. So hmm. maybe a bit of an odd answer, but uh, that's, that's really what I'm focused on versus trying to tell you, I'd like to grow 15% and blah, blah, blah. Hey, growth is inevitable if you work hard and do the right things for a long enough time. I, I believe that. I'm focused on the other side of the spectrum. How can I take the wealth that I've occurred, accrued, excuse me, and uh, turn that into to being able to leverage my time, how Ray Zingler wants to, to leverage his time? Nice. No, I think that's a great explanation. Really good. Ray, talk to me about hammers only. What does hammers only mean? Hammers, hammers only. only. Hammers only. Okay, so... There was, uh, this was years ago. I was training a 12 year old boy and he came into my gym, cut off t-shirt, you know, had a mullet, the rat tail, just, uh, just a rough, rough edge kid. And, you know, I asked all the kids, what are their goals? And this is again, early on now, everything's digital and we send the email, but I said, buddy, what are your goals? And most, most kids would say to get faster, to get stronger, you know, whatever their goals are. This 12 year old boy looked me dead in the eye and he said, you know, I just want to be harder to kill. And, you know, I'm thinking, goodness gracious, this is a 12-year-old boy, cut off teeth. I just want to be harder to kill. And um, I just looked at him. I said, and I don't know where it came from, but I said, man, you're, you're a freaking hammer. You know what I mean? Just, 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 and then all of a sudden I took the, uh, you know, obviously you have the, the corny, be the hammer, not the nail, you know, that type of deal. And, and now hammers only is kind of my tagline. And again, it's not people think that it's this, you know, tough guy nonsense. And it's it's really not that hammers only is, is again, like we talked about in the intro. It's, hey, are you willing to show up? Are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to commit to getting a little bit better? And in my eyes, that's that's a hammer. That's somebody that's willing to do the work that's required to get them to where they want to go. And again, you hear that phrase. And if you didn't know me or you just saw a picture of me, you probably think I'm talking about you know, just eating the, a, 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 an animal alive raw off the carcass with a hammer or something crazy. But no, there's, I've got 11 year old girls that are, that are more hammers only than some of those tough guys you see on, on social media. So it's just a, a mindset. Mm. So let's dive into that a bit more. Cause I think this is maybe one of the things that people don't uh, maybe value or realize is happening in the private sector. Because, you know, if you're working for a big organization and there's a big focus on performance, right. you know, players and athletes can kind of become, you know, commodities. And, you, you know, you don't perform, right, you're gone. Next, you'll get someone who can perform. When Absolutely. you're working with those, those individual athletes in the private sector, the focus really does then become on them as an individual. And as you've pointed Absolutely. out, it's not just the physical bit. It's awesome to get stronger, more powerful. But I, like you, have seen the changes that happen to kids in their self-esteem, their confidence, how they how they walk into a room and look you in the eye and give you a handshake. Like, what right. do you think is some of that more holistic impact that we can have as coaches on athletes? Absolutely. So, so that's one thing that drew me to the uh, to the private sector. Again, I was the the son of a college football coach who spent 
tons of time away from his family. That was just what the, that was the nature of the beast. You know, you're recruiting and you're on the road. You know, the reason dad got out of coaching in the public sector was because he was leaving the house in the morning before his children were waking up and he was getting home by the time his children went to sleep. So I said, you know, I don't want to go that route. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I don't have a ton of respect for a lot of colleagues that I do have in that route or in that, in that path, excuse me. But the one thing, and this isn't to, to, to knock anybody that's in the public sector at all, because I understand it's an entirely different um, system or it's a, it's a different approach. But, you know, the one thing that, that is true about the high school sector, for example, is those coaches who, again, can be very, very valuable coaches. They are appointed athletes. And what I mean by that is they can act, the, obviously, within reason. They can act the way they want. They can be the tough guy. They can run them into the ground. They can play on their phone for a minute and nobody's going to hold them accountable whatsoever. Because again, if they fire that guy, now they got to go find somebody else. That's It's a tough, tough deal. Whereas in the private sector, I have realized this. If I take off one day, if I miss out on the opportunity of one conversation, if I don't add value to that specific individual, it doesn't necessarily, I'm going to lose him tomorrow. But what does happen is if I'm not on my toes making this entire thing about the individual, I lose out as an entrepreneur on the ability to leverage resources for my family. Because again, like you just, in, anybody can get stronger. You can, you can go on Google, you can find the program, you can go to your $10 a month fitness center and you can, you can get stronger. I had to get away from the sets and reps. Not, yes, I understand the sets and reps and I understand how to program. That's obviously the, the foundational or fundamental elements of what I do. But again, recognizing that at the end of the day to the consumer, whether they do four sets of eight split squats at Zingler Strength and Conditioning, four sets of eight split squats at their local high school, or four sets of eight split squats at their local gym, it's four sets of eight split squats. It's, it's, it, there's nothing unique about that. But where I knew that I could gain an edge is I understand the value of the physical side. I understand the value of the accountability. And I understand the value of taking that physical work that you're held accountable on and then how that translates into some of the, the confidence and the mental sides of, of the approach. So again, I don't, I don't sell sets and reps. I'm not, I'm not renting out my equipment at my gym to, to consumers who want to come in and be told what to do or what's written up on the whiteboard. I, I, I take this very seriously and I'm selling, I'm selling global development. This is, this is, yes, we're going to get you stronger and faster for basketball. I promise we can do that. But, but listen, the game that I'm playing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very strategic about my impact. Can I impact you in a way at 17 years old that helps you to positively associate with this whole health and fitness, strength, whatever you want to call it. And then when you're 32 years old, and Ray Zingler is no longer in your day-to-day -day life. Are you going to the gym and are you doing goblet squats two days a week because that one guy with a big beard took the time to pour into you strategically when you were an adolescent? So, so, so that's, that's the game I'm playing. I care about the 40-yard dashes and the vertical jump. I'll measure all that, but that's not the game I'm playing. I, I, I'm playing. I want you. I care about you. It's one thing that I don't take lightly. I love every kid and I'll tell every kid. Listen, we are here. We're going to focus on what we need to focus on today. That's the micro. But the macro perspective I have, I am looking at every single angle and looking at where I can improve as a coach to add value to your life beyond the program. I'll, I'll print you out a sheet and send you a sheet you can follow. 
but can you build the can you build the mindset of of being able to take this today and then have the lessons apply to your life tomorrow that's that's where i'm i'm focused yeah 100 percent. and this is something i think if we were if we were really critical as on ourselves as snc coaches right particularly i guess in the private sector like if our marker of success is these athletes get pro deals then we're colossal right. failures right because how many right. people does that happen to exactly that's it's so funny you say that people are like ray are you going to do the nfl combine training are you going to do this 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 and this i said you know what i want i want 80 ninth graders just pain in the butt 14 year old high school kids that are willing to show up because again at that age they're so impressionable you know you can really teach them that's why i'm so drawn to the youth side of things and, and a lot of guys will say this. That's where you can have the most impact on them. You take an elite athlete, and let's just say he's a 9.2 out of 10. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a lot harder to go from 9.2 to 9.5 than it is to go from 6.2 to 8.3. But at the same time, a lot of that training those elite athletes, while it does take skill, and I know some guys that do it do it very, very well, you're really just trying to, you're, you're putting rims on a Mercedes, you know what I mean? And you're just allowing them to really, really the objective with those, those elite guys is don't get them hurt. You know what I mean? Let, let them be special, you know, and a lot won't admit it, but those guys would likely be special with or without me and you, you know, so it's one of those things, but with a kid, a kid who's scared of his own shadows, just learned how to tie his shoes, doesn't even know what a kettlebell is. And you get that kid to come in six months later, walking proud, performing three sets of 10 with a 53 pound kettlebell. Holy crap. You just, uh, you just, you just made a difference in somebody's life. You know, that's, mm. that's big to me. And I, I think this is one of the things that uh, the whole SNC industry really overlooks at, at this peril because it's all like this one way traffic. Everyone goes, you know, goes this the same route of, I want to work with the pros. I want to work at the college. Level. I want, because they kind of think this, it's, it's not glorified. It's not as valuable. But actually, there's this huge domain of people that are underserved that sometimes, okay, the people that are maybe delivering stuff aren't that good. So if right. you can come into this sector and, you, and you're good at what you do, you care about the kids and you want to make an impact, you can have a colossal impact on, these, on this population. It's insane. And, and that's the thing. And, that, and that's the hardest part. I do want to touch on that again, not to sit here and, and knock anybody else. But that's the other side of it is people – there, there are coaches out there who understand that. Like, okay, well, if we've got a youth athlete, there's, a, there's millions of youth athletes, there's hundreds of elite athletes. So naturally, the majority of the pool, whether they want to or not, are going to be drawn to the lowest hanging fruit, which is the youth athlete. But then the problem, and as you know, and this is something I try to educate and speak on quite a bit, is there are a lot of people out there selling snake oil because they know there's a large populace of people and as a consumer who doesn't know, nobody, whether you're the, the bro at the local field doing a bunch of nonsense or somebody like you or me who's devoted thousands of hours of strategic study to be able to properly, you know, train this. They don't know you and I and that guy down the road are the same. And unfortunately, that's something that's that's very difficult because, again, everybody tells me, Ray, stay in your lane, focus on you. And that's true. And I do. And I do do that. But the reason I'm so vocal, especially on social media, is I feel like failure on my end to notify or at least make it present that there's a lot of garbage going on. That's a disservice to those youth athletes and those parents. 
I realize I'm not going to be able to convince everybody. I realize I'm not going to turn the tide on my own, but like we've just talked about, we're trying to go quality over. What if I get 10 dads per year to say, you know what, that garbage that Billy's doing at the field, that looks cool with the highlight video and the music video. If I get 10 dads a year to see through that facade and I leverage the opportunity to service their sixth grade, 12 year old son for the next eight years of their life, the right way, I'm going to put it all out there because I'm after, I'm after the 1%. I'm not trying to get 75% of the kid. I couldn't service him if I wanted to, but, but, but can I, can I try to tastefully present the facts without bashing others so that I can earn the opportunity? Listen, I, I, I want to serve people. I want to serve people the right way. But if I don't let people know that there's a lot of garbage going on out there, how is anybody going to know? It'd be like me who knows nothing about welding. You let the guy weld the right way and you let the guy weld the wrong way. And they're both wearing the gear. They've got the helmet on. They've got the stuff. They've got the truck with the tent. I don't know what I don't know, right? Unless somebody takes the time to show me. Again, I'm a, I'm, I'm a serial learner. I want to learn. I don't, I don't have any interest in welding. But if you would teach me which one was right and which one was wrong in the event I needed a welder, I'd like to know at least what to look for. But in our modern society that is so focused on instant gratification and what looks good and what looks cool, these parents, a lot of times, they don't, they don't understand that these youth coaches, they're not, they're not doing what's right. They're playing into perceptions. Well, Jimmy's mom thinks that this speed and agility thing is safer and cleaner. So let me sell out on that. I know what I'm selling is a much harder sale. But again, I'm focused on such a smaller subsect or such a smaller demographic. I will, I, will, I will forego the path of least resistance in an effort to do what's right to serve those who want to be served correctly. And that's just my, my stance on that. Yeah, I think you're really right. This is something, I mean, it was a bit of a, I guess, kind of a journey I had to go on as an entrepreneur and as a coach. Was It's easy to, to sit there and bag all these people on social media and go, look, he's doing this sport-specific stuff that's nonsense, he's doing this. But actually, if you're not in the marketplace you're giving the customer a disservice because if all they have to choose from is these people, well, they can't choose the right thing because you aren't there and you aren't being vocal. So I think people have a, have a have problems sometimes tooting their own horn, but I often encourage coaches to say, listen, if you're not shouting from the rooftops, hey, I'm doing this, I'm available, I'm you know doing this kind of work and actually we're choosing not to focus on that stuff, people don't have the option to choose something good. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's why it's so critical and that's why I think one of the biggest issues with strength and conditioning and, and it's a good and a bad there, there's, there's sides on every side. Right. But the, the thing about it is there's no governing body. There's nobody that sits there, especially in, you know, in America, the, you can go buy a whistle and start coaching tomorrow. And in, in the state that I live in, you don't have to have any certification. You don't have to have anything. You can grab a whistle and some cones and, and start tomorrow. And again, this is where I just get so mind boggled. I'm not a smart guy. So like anytime, something stresses my brain out. It's not because it's something complex. I just don't understand a lot of things, but we have kids who are at the most instrumental pivotal stage of their, of their growing lives. And we're outsourcing some of the training to some guy that just bought cones yesterday. You know, like well, just, if you want to, if you want to skimp out on something, skimp out on the, on the, the summer travel, take three less days at the beach and save that money and invest again, I'm speaking for myself. It's not my job to tell other people how to, to spend their money or do whatever they want to do, but goodness, do a little bit of research. It's like buying, 
buying a house and you want to get granite countertops in your kitchen, well, the neighbor, he does lawn care and uh, he did, he, he renovated a bathroom in 1997. Let's just hire him for the, for the, for the counter. We would never do that. But our 14 year old boy will go ahead and just say, Hey, that guy down the road's probably good and sign off on. I mean, in what world, but that's the world we live in because, Hey, Timmy goes there too. And Timmy's mom said, that guy's awesome. Show me the data. Prove to me that guy's the best. Uh, he's nice to him. There's a lot of nice people that dress up nicely that are selling garbage. And that's just, that's just a fact. And again, you're going to get me heated. I want to curb it because again, at my roots, I do appreciate anybody that is willing to devote time and energy into children. I appreciate that. But goodness gracious, you don't get a badge of honor just for showing up and doing it. You've got to provide the right value. And that's yeah. where we're missing it. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of the classic kind of S&C guys. I think it's like Yuri Verkashansky or something like that. Like any idiot can make another idiot tired, right? Like my, my job is not to make your kids sweaty and come out and say, oh, did you have a good time? It's to make him better. Right. No, exactly. So, so that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. And, and again, I think a lot of parents too, and, and this is where I struggle because I get it. They're looking for a babysitter. They want to drop somebody off. There is value in going out and getting sweaty and tired. There, there, there's value in that. When I was growing up, we did that in the neighborhood, riding our bikes and playing games in the evenings. But it's like, if you want to do, send them, go these trampoline parks, you know, where they go in and they jump around, go be a kid. You know, you don't need to pay somebody to go out and get tired doing what they call sports performance training, when in reality, you know what they're buying when they're buying the ladders and the agility that they're playing hopscotch and hopscotch is a great childhood game. Go play it at your local park. It's the same exact thing. Now you just have somebody with a video camera screaming at you and you, and you're paying for it. You know, it's, 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 it's sad that again, what those guys are doing. Hey, if that, if the alternative is for those kids to sit on the couch, then great, go, go, go jump around and sweat for a little bit. But to think that we can't encourage our children to go out and be children and play pickup basketball and play pickup soccer in the streets and do these things, that's, that's going to be more valuable than sitting here and having a, a, a conducted speed and agility session, as you know, not to get into the weeds of it, but sports are random. They're chaotic in nature. There's no pretty squares out on a football field or a soccer. They're, they're, that doesn't exist. So to sit here and, and live and die by these closed drills that are predetermined from the start, that doesn't do any, it's a good warm up for, for, for 10 year olds, right? That's fine if you want to do that. But to sit here and, and hook bungee cords to 13 year olds to try to fool parents into believing that they need resisted sprint, they can't overcome their own body weight. Now you're going to tether them to a band because on Instagram, somebody's mom thinks it works. What the hell, you know? So, so that's where I, I again, I, I wish I could stay quiet on it. But again, the, the consumers that I'm competing for, I owe it to them. They can think I'm an idiot. They don't have to like me. Ray is super vocal. The guys posted 5,000 posts on it. I've, I've, I've averaged two posts a day every day of my life for the last eight years without missing a day. Do you think this guy might be passionate? You can think he overposts and he's annoying and he doesn't. I'm doing that because it's not, it's not a side gig for me. This is my life that I deeply care about. Look at my body of work. You don't have to love me. But I'm doing this because I truly want to serve, serve your kid or I want to inspire another coach to do things the right way. Because, again, there's always going to be the, the guys that go for the low-hanging fruit. But if we can get a group of people that are servicing kids the right way and we can show others 
with time. It takes time to how to do things the right way. Can I impact the, 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 the populace by 1%? That's all, all I'm trying to do. Mm. And I think that's massive. And, and this comes back to what I was saying about that long-term thing. Like, you know, if you, want to, if you want to get good coaches, you have to pay them properly. But also looking at the right. long-term thing beyond sports performance, hey, if, if we are teaching your kid, your kid to move well, to understand training and, and what makes a good training program and understand sleeping and nutrition, that will serve them for the next 80 years. This is probably forever. one of the best products you could ever buy for your child. For, forever. And that's my selling point. Again, like I said, it's, you know, what's the long-term vision, Ray? You know, oh, my kid wants to play college. And I, and, I, and I listen to that. But it's like at the end of the day, what I really want is when your son is done with sports, right? That's the thing that people miss the most. It's like when they're playing sports, they have the, they have the discipline stimulus. It's already in there. They've got to get up. And that's why I love it. They got to get up in the morning. They got to go to practice. They got to train. And then now at 18 years old, that discipline stimulus no longer exists. We send them to college to, to eat hot wings and drink beer four nights a week. And now that nobody's holding me accountable to exercise, why do we have a, an, an obesity epidemic in, a, in the world? Why, why do we have that? And again, it's because we undervalue the fundamentals. What if we taught this kid that, listen, you can live a lifestyle to where you can have some fun. You can eat pizza. You can do these things. But let's make sure that we focus on at least the minimal amount of physical activity so that we can maintain ourselves as we get into life as it becomes more stressful. But no, so many parents are focused on playing on the elite amateur baseball team that we sell out on the idea of trying to get onto this specific team. We end up burning the kid out. At 18 years old, the kid wants nothing to do with baseball. He wants nothing to do with discipline. He wants nothing to do with physical exertion. He wants to go be in a fraternity and drink beer with his buddies. And then at 30 years old, he was a really good 16-year-old baseball player who's now on the verge of diabetes. I mean, and that sounds aggressive and crazy, but I wish I was wrong. But, but, but unfortunately, I'm not. And I think it starts from our lack of instruction and our lack of, of coaching and teaching at a young age. You and I are into physical fitness and strength and conditioning because somebody taught us. Somebody showed us the value. We then learned that value and applied it to the remaining, you know, years of our lives beyond sport, it's not a, it's, it, it doesn't just happen. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a learned trait, you know, physical exercise, physical, it's, it, it's something that you have to learn. You don't just wake up tomorrow and know how to change your oil. You have to learn how to do, and we miss that. Oh, he was an athlete. He played sports in high school. He's set for life. Go look at the average NFL player who gets out of the NFL who has all the money and all the time in the world and they're eating all these gourmet meals. They're drinking the highest top shelf liquor at 35 years old, that running back who looked like he was cut out of stone at 25 now looks like your everyday Joe that's sitting on the couch. It happens, but people don't, people don't want to talk about that because we're so focused on the right now, you know? So it's, it's a shame. Yeah. And I think it even goes beyond like health and fitness because it's also those things we talked about in terms of like, if you want to be good at anything in life, whether it's academia, whether it's your job, whether it's running your own business, you, you have to, first of all, you got to turn up, you got to be consistent, you got to work hard and you're not going to see the rewards next week or next month or in three months. It's going to be six months, 12 months, 18 months. And that is a transferable lesson as well. You can take that out of the gym and put it into another context. Absolutely. Uh, and that's where I think the process, you know, there's a lot of people who I, I'm a results oriented person, but I love the process more than I do the result because the process I've learned is where all the value is. 
it was funny. I had like an Instagram Q and a, a couple of weeks ago and somebody said, you know, how do I, how do I get bigger arms? And I said, eat a lot of food, rest well, train your arms consistently for 10 years. And they're like, Oh my God, you know, I like, I could do the other part. I could eat a lot. I could do but 10 years. What are you talking about? But again, in that right now, it's hard to rationalize because again, we want the results because we just saw it on Instagram. It's like, people, somebody asked me the other day, Ray, the weights you're using in your, in your, in your weight training session, you did three reps. It looked like you could have done 15. And I said, yeah, you're right. I probably could have done 15, but I'd like to be doing this same workout, um, 45 years from now. You know what I mean? What in the world are you talking? It's such a foreign concept because again, everybody wants to train for the marathon and run the marathon. I want to run a 10th of a marathon every day until I die. You know, that, that, that's really where I'm, I'm focused. And I wish I could, I could get that note into the kids, especially, but as you know, they're, they're, they're on their phones all day from Instagram to TikTok. They're measuring their, they're measuring their life based on the highlight reel of another. And again, I wish I could say that the parents would cut a notch in it, but the parents are watching the same thing on Instagram and they're seeing that Susan just bought a boat and they, they, they own a stake in a winery and all that. They're, they're doing the same thing on a, on a different scale. Jimmy's looking at the baseball players that are better than them. You know, Mike's looking at the guy who's more successful in business than him. And it's a, it's a keeping up with the Joneses contest from 12 to 80. And it's only when we get on our deathbed that we realize that none of it matters. Well, I'm trying to focus on that stuff now because you've been told the stories that, oh, if you could go back, what would you do? I'd spend more time. I'd focus less on this. You know, I'm trying to live the, that 80 that year old wisdom as a, as a 33 year old guy. Mm. There's a story. Uh, I think you're going to appreciate this because I think you're going to probably agree with it. There's a friend of mine, Shane, who's a coach out in Ireland. He's a um, Taekwondo martial arts instructor, but he also is a strength and conditioning coach. And I think he has probably the best success story I've ever heard in coaching, which is that one of his old like uh, martial arts kind of, you know, um, appendees participants Came sure. in at the age of 40, brought his eight-year-old and said, I want you to coach my kid. So he's like coaching two generations of this family, but over 20, right. 30 years. What a compliment. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's, and, 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 that's, and, and that's the stuff that, again, doesn't get talked about enough. Because, again, it's, it's the, the value in that, you know, and I, I just, when you told me that, just thinking of like, okay, well, now the son and the dad are learning lessons together. And now they can take that with them. And they're walking, you know, that's. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing that a lot of times, and I appreciate the unselfish nature of a lot of parents because, hey, they are willing to do whatever it takes to help give their kid an edge. And I appreciate that. But it's like sometimes, you know, and this is why we have an adult fitness program for our, for our uh, business as well. You know, a lot of the parents, they want to get the training like their son is getting. And we separate the programs and all that, but we keep our are, you know, kind of not necessarily the hammers only because not necessarily many women want to swing sledgehammers and go crazy, but it's, it's showing them it's important for you too. You know, all, all these parents, we don't have time. We're too busy, you know, and, and, and the problem that I try to share with others, if you're, if you don't have time for yourself and you're too busy for yourself, all you're doing is emptying your own cup, thinking that it's just going to magically refill. Well, we've tried to say, listen, you don't need 12 hours a week, devote two hours a week to you come into the gym, exercise, feel better. It's not about muscles. It's about feeling better and filling your cup. So guess what? You can pour even more into to those you love and care about the most. So it's one of those selfish to be unselfish type, type mindsets. 
Not to mention that whole, you know, role modeling what you want for your kids. Exactly. You know, don't text and drive as they sit there and text on their phone while they sit in a fast food parking lot. And tell, my kid won't eat his vegetables. I, I wonder why. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh. So. so, Ray, what's coming up for you in the next year to 18 months? You got anything coming down the pipe or is it just business as usual? So business as usual. I'm currently writing another book right now. I wrote a book this uh, last year that was focused on kind of some of my philosophies that I'd learned over the years and, and simplifying training for kind of that I call washed up meathead or anybody that just wants a general baseline of physical preparation, strength and conditioning. Um, but this next book I'm writing is titled Fundamentals Over Flash, and it's essentially a guidebook for the youth and developing athlete to where it's kind of how I've taken my philosophies and how I've learned things along the way and how I've recognized what's going on in our current landscape of youth sports. You know, it's one of those things that in youth sports right now, not to hit you with a bunch of factoids, but, you know, we have less kids across the board playing sports but the kids that we do have playing sports are playing more volume of sport than ever before. And the unfortunate side is that more volume of sport is now more volume of single sport. So we've gotten away from the whole physical education side of, you know, general preparedness and we're focused on, on specificity. Well, the problem is our, 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 our kids today, they don't have the general background to defend the specific stimulus to be able to excel what we do is we find those five kids that can skip over the base. And then now we sell out our entire, you know, mode or our entire, you know, process is that same. Well, Jimmy did it and he's elite. So my kid's going to do it too. So I basically just go into, again, I know our kids need sport, you know, participation. They need sports training, but we can't just magically skip over this general base because we want to, and the general stuff is boring. So it's kind of goes into, again, examples of how I run the, the programming at my gym, but also I didn't just want to give a sets and reps book. I wanted to speak on a little bit more of the, here's the why behind that. Because again, if our kids were, if this was 1970, you know, Eastern Bloc countries, and they were training weight training from eight years old until the time, I'd say, listen, we, we don't need any more of that weight. Go, go, go play soccer, go play baseball. But we have it at shift, right? We don't place any emphasis on general physical preparation. We place all the emphasis in the world on the specificity side. I, I kind of speak on, on that nature. So that book, you know, I, uh, I give myself a year for these projects. So I can't say exactly when it will be out, but I'm in the I'm in the stages of writing that. And that's really my, my yearly project for this year. And then other than that, I'm, I'm training the heck out of my kids and just trying to uh, grow and get a little bit better every day, just like everybody else. Awesome. So where can people maybe pick up a copy of the previous book or the new one when it launches or follow your, your stuff? Where can they find you? Yeah. So my books, my book, Broad Axe Training, it's available on Amazon. So if you just search Broad Axe Training and Raising, that'll pop right up. And then obviously I have links to all of my stuff on uh, Instagram at Zingler Strength. Twitter is at Ray Zingler. And uh, I think Facebook's just for old people, but I'm on Facebook <laughs> at, uh, at Zingler Strength. But uh that's where I'm at. Awesome, mate. Well, it's been really cool. Your, I think your passion uh, for enthusiasm for the area is obvious to people that are listening and the fact that your heart's in the right place and you're doing it for the right reasons. So I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. I like it.
nine times out of ten when i see you share something i'm like boom he's on the money again <laughs> i'm gonna reshare well, that because as well, you say people need to hear it uh, thank you very much now you just need to tell my wife that because unfortunately i'm wrong <laughs> i'm wrong nine times out of ten to her and all my uh all my strength and conditioning buddies think i got it figured out so no, <laughs> i appreciate the time and this stuff is very important to me because i like being able to to spread a message that again we may not hit them all but you get you get in front of the right couple of people, you can really make a difference. So, Awesome, mate. Thanks again. It's been really uh, valuable. I've, I've loved chatting to you. Thank you so much, Rob. I appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love your support by leaving a rating or review on your chosen podcast player. You can also find us on social media using at LTAD Network. Thanks for listening to this episode. And don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform as well as 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50.